welcome to another episode of The Offline Gamer. This is episode 45. My name's Ray. And my name's Matt. And we've got a lot to talk about, including our 2019 Kickstarter awards. Oh, it's that time of year again. Yep. Is it also the time of year where we review what still hasn't arrived? Oh, it should be, shouldn't it? Yeah, I'll have to get that list up before we get there. But uh, yeah, I've got a few things. Most of the things on my list will be things that I talked about last year. (laughs) Yes, one of the ones that has been on my list for... I think I've talked about it twice, maybe three times. Yeah. It's still not here. I have checked on it specifically for the episode, just so I can say, yep, still not here. <laughs> Okie dokie. So what what's what's going on in, in offline gamer world at the moment? Oh well, I've been playing lots and lots and lots of things. You've been playing a few things as well. A few things, yeah. Yeah. A couple of bits and bobs and I bought a couple of things. Cheeky, cheekily, because there so, was a sale. Subtly, and yeah. not without telling someone. Well, you know, it's my money. <laughs> but one thing, because it was in a sale, and I've pre-ordered another thing that won't, you know, unlock until uh, next month, but I have t- technically bought it because I have paid for it. Okay, well, uh, let's talk about what we've been playing and buying then. Yep. You've got a lot more than me. I have. That actually, looking at your list, there's a lot of crossover between digital games that we've played as well. So should we go through those first? I suppose so. So yes. we've, both, we've both played uh, quite a bit of Slay the Spire. Yes. Um, it had its 2.0 patch. It did. Come out in January, which included a fourth character, which I can't play yet. I can, but I haven't, so... Because I haven't won the game on a standard run, but I've won the game in daily challenges. Right. So the thing that annoys me is that the the two characters with which I have won um, on daily challenges do let me tick to put ascension levels in. So in that respect, they count as having won, but not apparently in the way that they want you to have won the game to unlock the fourth character. Which is kind of annoying, because I've seen some of the cards that the fourth character has, and they look quite fun. Yeah. And, yeah. I I actually bought it because I had it on Game Pass, um, and I was playing it on the Xbox, and then I stood it on the PC. But then when version 2 came out, they they haven't... I don't know if they have now, but at the time, it's like two weeks ago, they hadn't... After after it had been out for a couple of weeks, they still hadn't released it on the Windows Store. So mm. I just went online and found a, a cheap CD key for like uh, the Steam version. I think it cost me like £7. Yeah. Um, so I just bought it. Yeah. And I was able to transfer all my saves across as well. I found a nice post on Reddit saying, if you've got the Windows Store version and you want to transfer all of your unlocks to the Steam version, this is what you do. So I did. And so I didn't lose any progress. That was quite nice. Yeah, I have played 41 hours, and I still haven't technically won a standard run. Let's see how many hours I've put into it. Uh, yeah, so for uh, for context, I finished uh, Bioshock Infinite in 15 hours. Right, okay. Um, 
Let's oh, have a look. I don't know, do I? Because on Steam, it's only showing how long I've played since I've had it on Steam. Since you've had it on Steam. So I've only played an hour on Steam. So I don't know. But I think I would say five or six hours max. Um, I'm only 15 hours behind my total play hours for Mass Effect 2. Mm. Um, is that your most played game? No, my most played game, I think, is either Borderlands 2 with... 211 hours or Team Fortress 2 which doesn't tell me how many hours I've played I haven't played for quite a while to be Is fair. there a way you can view just that view, view all played games and it'll show you how many hours you played them uh, maybe, hang on uh, yeah so Team Fortress 2, 279 wow Borderlands 2, 212 Borderlands GOTY 80. Uh, Binding of Isaac 66. Mass Effect 2 57. Dragon Age Origins 52. Sid Meier's Civ 5 50. Slay the Spire 41. Okay. Tied with Torchlight 2. Just above Portal 2 and Darkest Dungeon. And XCOM. And then Audio Surf. So my, mine's quite interesting. My top game is PUBG with 230 hours, which I didn't realise I'd put that many hours into it, but obviously I have. Mind you, that's over three years or so. Uh, and then after that is Borderlands 2 with 58 hours, so there's quite a, a difference between my second and my, my first. Yeah. Then Counter-Strike Source, 35 hours. L.A. Noir, 35 hours. Watch Dogs 2, 35 hours. And then Doom, 29 hours. Um. That's interesting. So next up, we've both played The Outer Worlds. Yes. So I've played this through and completed it. Um, so Outer Worlds, a sort of futuristic uh, first-person shooter, sort of like Mass Effect. Imagine Mass Effect if it was made by Bethesda. So it's sort of like a Skyrim, Oblivion, Mass Effect type hybrid, it's isn't it? It's kind of Mass Effect mix with Fallout. Yeah, yeah. It's made by um, Monolith as well. They make New Vegas, they did, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Outer Worlds I really enjoyed. As I was able to complete it over the Christmas break. Uh, again, got it free on Game Pass. And uh, you're, you're playing it on Game Pass as well, aren't you? Yes, I am. Bizarrely, though, even though it's... game, it, uh, I don't know how many hours I've played because it, it, Game Pass on PC is a bit weird. First of all, it says, oh, you have to go through the store and you have to do this and you have to do that and you have to set up Xbox for what's it and yep. upgrade to 1909 before you can do that and then do this, that and the other, all to get the game. But then as soon as you play the game the first time, it just puts an icon in your start menu directly to the game. So yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, fine. Well, uh, what am I doing? I'm investigating some distress signal from some scientist um, on a, somewhere that's trying to make diet toothpaste. Right, yes, okay. Um, after trying to do another mission and getting instantaneously murdered, I was like, oh, okay, I'll do that one later then. Yeah, it's, um, there's definitely a certain order you should do things. I love the game. Well, I think the game is generally quite linear, um, and it forces you down a certain path. Even though there are a lot of decisions to make, you have to make them in a certain order. Yeah. 
but it's it's still relatively open worlds. There's a lot of places you can go, but like you say, you might find yourself outgunned if you go to certain things. Like very yeah. early on, I found like a little area where a ship had crashed, and I went in there to loot it, and then all these drones started coming along and literally shot me dead in like two shots. So I was like, oh yeah, I'm not supposed to be here yet. Yeah, I think some of the a lot of the uh, monsters remind me quite closely of. Borderlands and Borderlands 2 monsters though because there's like things that look a bit like dogs but their face is open which is very Borderlands-y yeah. there's flying things which is very Borderlands-y they look like the rack and then there's um, the weird like monkey looking ape things that go underground and they look very much like bully mongs from Borderlands so I thought that was a bit I'm thinking, well, I suppose, mm, how many alien things can you think up? Something that looks a bit like a monkey, something that looks a bit like a dog, and something that looks a bit like a pterodactyl. But yeah, that that's my criticism thus far, is that some of the monsters look quite similar to Borderlands monsters. So what else have you been up to then in the PC space? Um, in the PC space, I have pre-ordered Doom Eternal. Wee! I saw that and I was like, you haven't stopped being playing now. You didn't think it was out yet. And now it's not until no, March. No, no. It's not out till the 20th. So the 20th or the 21st. I think it's 20th for America, so that probably means it'll be the 21st for the UK. Um, just, just, just to ruin my day. Um, <laughs> and I was sitting there thinking... <laughs> Oh, because the 20th's a Friday. Shall I take that day off just so I can play Doom? Just so I can sit there and install Doom and then blow stuff up? So I would recommend not doing that. And and the reason I'd say don't book a day off for a game release is because our friend Sean from work booked uh, some days off because uh, he wanted to play the Final Fantasy VII remake. And then it got delayed. Yeah. So he was very happy about that. Well, Doom has already been delayed once, and I didn't. I haven't pre-ordered Cyberpunk, so that's good because um, that obviously has been delayed till September. Oh, I has think. it? I didn't know that. Yeah, it got delayed by six months, I think. Excellent. Um, and then, well, project project was it CD Project Red, I believe, are also starting the potential for a Witcher 4 game Ooh. that won't follow, won't follow Geralt but some other witchery type thing. I think they've been in discussion with the author to find someone else that you can play as. Oh, interesting. Um, I think it'd be cool to play as Siri, but I suppose that storyline is sort of over and done with. Yeah, and it's tied very closely with, with Geralt. I think they, yeah. if they were going to do that, they'd, they'd go for someone who's got nothing to do with that. And maybe they'd set it in a different time period as well. Well, they might do... Um, oh, I've forgotten his name now. The guy, the the witcher who trains Geralt. Oh, yeah. Um, Vesemir. Yes. Maybe they'll do sort of his timeline before he picks up eight-year-old Geralt or however, however old he is when yeah. he picks him up on the side of the road. That would be interesting. 
or even better, have have a lady witcher. Getting slightly distracted there. Uh, <laughs> yes, Doom Eternal. Oh yes. I was umming and ahhing about pre-ordering it because I don't really pre-order things very much nowadays. I think the last thing I actually pre-ordered was The Witcher 3. Mm. Um, and I was watching some... Well, I was scrolling through Facebook and an IGN video was there all about the um, the new arsenal and the quick swap mods for your guns and all this stuff for Doom Eternal. And I was like, yeah, okay, fair enough. Because I am going to play it. Yeah. And... I don't want to wait ages for it to come down to a slightly more sensible price because it's still effing expensive, even for the base game. How much was it, like 45 or? It's 50 quid for the base game. Oh, dear. That's like not even the deluxe version. The deluxe version 75, and then there's another version on top of that which is like the collector's edition, which is like over a hundred quid. And I'm like, are you having a giggle? Because all, I'm pretty sure the only thing that's got anything physical involved is the collector's edition. But like the the standard version and the deluxe version, it's all just digital. Yeah, I'm just trying to read what the difference is between them. Um, Well, if you pre-order, everybody gets... A couple of skins and a copy of um, Doom. Doom sixty four. Yeah. I don't know when one one receives that because I haven't had any emails about it. I assume it will be after the actual release of Doom Eternal. Even though I possibly, I think I've got about a billion different versions of Doom anyway. Um. You get uh, the year one pass, which will include the first two DLCs. Yes, that's, yeah. You get the Demonic Slayer skin. And the classic weapons sound pack. So I'm imagining that makes it so that the games sound like they did in the original Doom. Yeah, see, for an extra 25 quid, that doesn't sound... No, and the DLCs worth. will probably be cheaper than that anyway. Yeah. Right, uncategorized. And the skins probably only really matter in multiplayer, so it's like, ooh, look at me, I've got this lovely flaming skin that shows I've spent £25 more than you have. Yeah, I don't care. That's why I just went for the the regular one, which still, you know, slightly, slightly painful pricing there. But I suppose... I've got a new job, so... Well, oh yes, that's true. I suppose that'll be my treat. You're a bit more flush. Not by a lot. <laughs> but uh, enough to afford a game. Okay. Uh, you've got one more game noted down then for your digital realm, haven't you? Yes. When I pre-ordered Doom, um, there was also a game in the sale that has been on my wish list for a while, and it was down to £6. So I oh. thought, yeah, might as well. Um, which is for the king. And didn't we play this at EGX? Or you played it at EGX? Uh, yes. Played it at EGX uh, a couple of years ago now. Yeah, we didn't go last year, did we? So 2018. No, because it, it moved back to London, didn't it? Yeah. So, yes, it is a strategic RPG that blends tabletop and roguelike elements in a challenging adventure that spans the realms. 
and it also came with five expansions for six quid. And I was wow, like, okay. yeah, sure, whatever. That's really good. Um, and this, I remember, was... Uh, I believe it was like hex-based movement, and then you go into little dungeons, and then you can have fights out in the open and it's kind it was kind of a bit like armello um but a bit more involved um and it was like six pounds 15 or something like that in the sale so i thought why not i mean um, even not in the sale it's only 15 pound yeah but this current sale is on for another 25 hours as of recording so if you listen to this after the 10th of february then it's not on sale anymore no. Um, it probably will be again. No, oh, yeah. It'll probably be... Let me think, what's the next... It'll probably be um, Easter, probably the next Steam yeah. sale. Unless they can throw one in for Mother's Day, but Steam are American and their Mother's Day is different to ours, so... Yep, so those are my playing and buying. Okay. So on the digital realm then, I've played a few things. Most of these I've been streaming on Twitch. So um, we've talked about that. So uh, I'm sort of on a similar vein to The Outer Worlds. I decided to go back to No Man's Sky because it's mm-hmm. been, I think, two or three years since I played it, not long after release when there was a lot of stuff missing. So I um, decided to re-download it and, and stream it a bit. And it's a completely different game. It's got a decent tutorial to get you into it. Because that was the thing I struggled with last time. I sort of like didn't really know what I was supposed to be doing. Yeah. But now there's like a decent storyline and a plot, and you can obviously deviate from that and do your own thing. But for a first time playthrough, the game walks you through. Okay, you now need to get off this planet. You need to get these minerals to power your engine up, so you can go into hyperspace and get to this space station, and then you get to like a a bigger space station which has got like lots of other players in. So it's sort of like multiplayer, but not quite. But as you're walking around, you see all the other players walking around as well. So, yeah, um, I'm not massively far into it, but uh, I'm enjoying what I've played so far a lot more than I did when I played it originally. So, And there's been a lot of reviews online saying, you know, this is the state the game is in now, which is a much better state it was in when it first came out. So, so yeah, if you um, if you liked the look of No Man's Sky, all the stuff that they announced No Man's Sky was going to be, but you were disappointed when it came out, I'd go back to it now because, uh, yeah, it is more like what they originally envisioned the game would be like. So. Super. Uh, Black Mesa is next. I went back and played this because they've released the Zen chapter. So for those who don't know, Black Mesa is the remake of the first Half-Life game. Um, not like Valve did with Half-Life Source, where they just ported the entire game to the Source engine. And it basically looked like exactly the original game, except the water effects were a bit nicer. This, you know, a team of modders have literally recreated the entire game from scratch. Um, it's taken them about 15 years to do. Um, but yeah, so I've been playing through the uh, campaign. So I've done all of the Earthbound stuff, and I've just got to Zen. And... It's a bit hit and miss. There's a lot of like random just running around putting plugs into things. Um, but they have expanded it a lot based on what it was like in the original Half-Life. But a lot of the reviews of it have said that the Zen chapters are actually the worst thing about the game because there's just a lot of wandering around not doing very much. Mm. Um, but it does look a lot nicer than Zen did in the original game. But um, I'm, I've enjoyed it. Um, but I do see why people say it's the worst part of the game. 
I haven't finished it yet. I've just got to the first big boss. Did you ever play the original Half-Life? No. So when you get to the alien world, you do a bit of exploring and things like that, and then you, you have to defeat this like giant alien. And then, but that's not the end boss. You think it is, but it's not. There's loads more to do after that. So I've just got to that boss, and uh, the first time I tried to kill it, I think I got my ass handed to me. So uh, I've got to go back and try that again. Um, but I think Black Mesa, it was free at one point. I don't think it is anymore because it's not beta anymore. Uh, let me see how much that costs. £15. So if you liked the original Half Life and you want to like play a modern recreation of it, um, I'd definitely recommend it. Uh, so they started developing it like not long after Half Life 2 came out. The game was released just the Earth chapters in 2015. And then they just released the last part of the game at tail end of last year. So four years after the game came out, they finally released the second half of the game. So, so yeah, it's taken them a while, but you know, it's. I think it's worth it if you like Half Life. So, uh, the Pedestrian I played. So, this is a Kickstarter I backed a while back that finally got released. Uh, so this is the one where you play the little guy in the traffic signs, and you have yeah. to solve all the puzzles to wander around between different signs. Um, very good. I, I I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I was waiting for it for what two or three years, I think. Something like that. last year it was on my delayed um, Kickstarter's um, at the start of the year. So, um, but yeah, um, and the last level is very different. I won't spoil it for anyone, but um, you you play the the whole game in a certain way until you get to the last level, and then you have to use what you've learned, but you play it differently. That's all I'll say. Okay. Um, but if you like puzzle games and that kind of thing, then uh, yeah, the pedestrian I would definitely recommend. It was uh, a good a good buy, I think, and uh, it's now available on Steam and GOG, I think. So, so yeah, you can uh, you can now purchase it. Lovely. And uh, last of all, uh, before we started recording today, I realised that Wolfenstein Youngblood is now available on Xbox Game Pass. So uh, I downloaded that and uh, started playing that today which is um, just uh, if you've played the latest instalments in the Wolfenstein series, you have haven't you? Um, I've played one of them yeah, the first one maybe yeah, the first revamp yeah um, I can't remember which one it was called now I think it's just called Wolfenstein and then you, yeah. you had Wolfenstein the New Order and then you had yeah. Wolfenstein 2 uh, the New Colossus. I don't think it was called the New Order, actually, but yeah, the Something Order, I think. Uh, and then, so this is the fourth one in the series. And in this one, you play. It's this one's set in 1980, and you play the daughters of uh, B.J. Blazkowicz because uh, he's gone missing in this game. So you 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 play the two daughters, and you have to find them. And it's interesting, actually. There's there's a co-op mechanism. So you could, if you play the game on your own the AI controls the sister that you're not playing. Mm. And every so often you'll get to a thing where it's like, okay, I have to push this button, but there's two of them, so your sister has to go and push it as well. So obviously the computer does that. But if you're playing with another person, and you can have the game set to play co-op with just your friends, and you have to invite them, or you can have it open, so that while you're playing the game, a random player can just jump in and take over the control of the other character. Yeah. Yeah which is quite cool. So I haven't done that yet. I've just been playing in a sort of private mode. 
Um, so if you got the game because it's on Game Pass, we could we could play together. Ooh. But it's the same sort of thing, you know, killing Nazis. But obviously, the alternate history has moved on a little bit. So America's been liberated, but uh, and your family lives in America, but you have to go back to Europe to help find your dad. So uh, if you like, if you liked any of the old Wolfenstein games, then uh, yeah, Young Blood is definitely uh, one that I'd recommend as well. Cool. So I guess we better move on to uh, tabletop games. Yep. Yes. So there's no tabletop games that you've played that I haven't played as well, is there, this month? Mm, no. Okay. So I'll run through mine, and then we'll talk about the ones we played together. So most of the ones I've played are ones that we've talked about before, so I won't go over them too much. But uh, some of the games I've played this month that we've talked about before is Tiny Epic Western, because I bought that to Karen for... Uh, Christmas, because uh, I think she liked it for the same reason you liked it, which was the bullet dice. Yeah. I think that was the main thing that drew to that game, wasn't it? Yeah, they were were quite fun. So yeah, I bought her that Christmas and we played it over Christmas. And I think she won that. Uh, Machikoro uh, we played, uh, which you and I have played, I think. Uh, Once, I think. Yeah, we played it at the Great Indoors a few years back, didn't we? Yeah. And then I bought it, and I haven't played it since then. So, uh, yeah, we played that. Um, a little town-building game where you're buying cards, which uh, let you do things when uh, you roll the dice. Uh, and uh, some of them happen on your turn, some of them happen on other players' turns. And, yeah, it's just like a, a nice little building game. Uh, Kill Dr. Lucky, which I've talked about before, which is by Cheap Ass Games, which is the uh, sort of, like, builds itself as what happens in Cluedo before the murder happens, where you're actually playing the characters who are trying to kill him, which I've talked about before. El Luchador Fantastico Grande. Now, this is one of the very first games I ever backed on Kickstarter, and I wanted to play this again to see how well it held up. Because, obviously, the last time we played it, I mean, we played it, what, four or five years ago? And it's just been sitting in a box in my bedroom since then. And it's just basically a simple dice rolling card battling game where you're playing Mexican wrestlers hitting each other. And it's a very simple game, but it still works. The only problem I had with it was that, uh, you know, the game's got a uh, like a wrestling belt prize that's all shiny. Yeah. It's lost all of its shine. It's not shiny anymore. No. Oh. So, yeah, that was a bit disappointing. You have to give it a polish. Yeah, I don't know if it will. I think I think it looks like the shininess has just sort of like evaporated or something. Oh, I'm not okay. quite sure what's happened to it. Hmm. So it was a bit disappointing. Uh, next up is a game that again I backed like three or four years ago, but have never played, and it was Cat Tube Famous. So this is the game where you're playing like a YouTuber who uh, is making cat videos, uh, and you have to like match the trends that are going on at the time so as the game goes on it will like your reveal cards that say oh happy cats are very popular at the moment so you want to be trying to play cards with happy cats on and um you basically get points based on you play a video and it has all these different categories on and you're multiplying the points together and then uh whoever's got the most points wins the trend cards that are currently trending and then at the end of the game you just add up all the points on the trend card you've been able to collect and the person with the most points is the winner. I'm not sure how much I liked this to be honest. I don't think this is going to stay in my collection. I think this might be going to the bring and buy at UKG this year. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll only get a few quid for it. 
because it's only a small card game, but um, I wasn't taken with it. But I'm sure there'll be some people who are. Um, but yeah, it's a mixed bag for me. Played it once, thought it was all right. Probably will never play it again. I'm sure I played it at um, a game night, and you brought it along, and you were playing something else, and I was playing with a different group. Okay, maybe. I think I have brought it to a couple of game nights and never played it. I remember enough about it to make me think that I have played it. But obviously, it was a very long time ago. Uh, what's next? Multi-Universum. So this is another game I talked about before. I bought this at UKGE a few years ago. Uh, you're basically playing scientists who are trying to seal uh, portals to other dimensions that have opened. And uh, you're playing cards that give you different actions depending on where you are in the game area. And uh, yeah, you're just closing portals, gaining points from closing them. And the person who's got the most points is the winner. Not much more to say about that. Uh, Sushi Roll. So this is a new game. So this is one I bought a few weeks ago from our good friends at Asgard Games. Uh, don't know if you remember, I was trying to get this to UKG last year, but everywhere was sold out of it. Yeah. So finally, I bought it. And I can't remember how similar this is to normal Sushi Go, because it's been a while since we played Sushi Go. But basically, you've got all these dice with all the little bits of food on them. So, uh, puddings or... Um, I can't remember what they are. Maki rolls, nigiri, things like that. And you're rolling them. But what you're doing is you uh, roll your selection, take a dice, and then everyone passes their dice to uh, the dice that are left to the player to their right, I think it is. And then, so it's like a conveyor belt going around in a sushi restaurant. And then you're trying to make sets of things. And if you get uh, sets of certain things, then you get more points. And then uh, at the end of every round, it's basically, okay, the player who's got the most of these gets so many points, and the person who's got the second most gets this many points. And, uh, yeah, you're just adding up points until you get to the end of the game. And the person with the most points, as usual, is the winner. So I really like this, uh, not just because it's a food-based game. It's it's nice. It's good production. Uh, the dice are all really nice and very clear as to what they all are. The printing's really good. And uh, it wasn't too too expensive. Um, so if you like Sushi Go, uh, I would imagine you will like this. Does it sound similar from Sushi Go? I can't remember. if Are you doing that thing where you're passing cards between players? I can't remember. Yeah, that. yeah, you do. Okay. So it's the same sort of mechanics, but just with dice instead of cards. Yeah. And the f- a funny thing is, in the uh, in the rules, you know, where they give you like the examples of what all the various um, players are. There were four players mentioned in the rules. So Karen and I have, uh, well, Karen has some friends called Andrew and Chris, who I obviously now know through her. And there is an Andrew and a Chris in the rule book, and then there's a Karen. But then there's not a Matthew. There's a Meredith. Ah. Uh. So she called me Meredith throughout the game. Fair enough. Which was disappointing. <laughs> it was so close, though. I mean, for have, for them to have the Andrew and Chris and then a Karen and then a character beginning with the letter M, it so easily could have been Matthew. Uh, next up is Dinosaur Island. Now, I enjoyed this a lot, but I've got a few things to say about it. The first thing is the setup time is ridiculous. There are so many components and so many boards and things that you have to set up. I think it took us about 20, 25 minutes to set the game up to get to a point where we'd actually start playing it. 
it was mm. really really complicated I mean don't get me wrong the components are all really nice and they're all lovely and I thought it was great but it's just a lot of setup time and I think this is the longest setup time I've ever had for a game that I've played or that I own certainly I may have played games with other people where they've obviously spent 20 minutes setting the game up before I've got there but for one that I own this is without a doubt the longest setup uh, for it for a game I have and then when you play the game uh, there's a lot to it so it, it's it's at its core it's a worker placement game where you are placing scientists or workers um, in various parts of the game at different phases to firstly research DNA uh, so you, you you buy a dinosaur and say I've researched this type of dinosaur and you put it in your park you, you each get a little board with spaces on for you to build your park but you are at that point not actually owning that dinosaur it's just basically you've said this is the DNA I've researched and I am going to start making this type of dinosaur Yeah. so in phase one you're just doing that you are using your scientists to research things then in phase two you are using I can't remember what they are little tokens to buy things like hiring more specialists or building attractions like uh, gift shops or things like that to put in your park or buying DNA tokens so you have different colours of DNA and each type of dinosaur needs a different combination of those DNA and you have basic ones and advanced ones and to make the advanced ones you've got to either buy them at a more expensive price or uh, you use the basic DNA, mix it together to get a better DNA. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's phase two. Then in phase three, you're placing your workers to create the dinosaurs or increase the security level of your park, things like that. And then in phase four, you actually do the park. So you attract visitors based on uh, excitement level of your park and you are drawing visitors out of a bag and there are normal visitors but there are also hooligans who who don't pay money and you don't get points for them things like that they're just there to cause a bit of trouble mm. so you're drawing out the number of meeples you've got based on how many visitors you've got in your park you're lining them all up in a queue and then you're putting them in the park based on the spaces you've got so you might end up not having enough spaces in your park for the number of visitors that you've attracted so the ones that don't get in just sit there on the outside they don't get you any money and then depending on the security level of your park if it's not high enough dinosaurs will get out and will eat some of your uh, visitors Hmm. uh, which is obviously not very good and you lose points for every visitor that gets eaten so i mean we've all seen that movie uh what are you talking about you're saying this is based on a a movie no 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 Hmm. okay Uh, in phase four you clean up everything up and then there are objective cards and if someone's uh, hit one of those objectives they put a little token on them and then I think it's when there's one left that hasn't been claimed everyone else gets one more round and then that's it you just add up all the points and things and uh, yeah someone's the winner so the first couple of rounds obviously with this type of game you're just getting to grips with what is good for me to buy Obviously, the first time you're just sort of like, I don't know what I should be doing, so I'm just going to put one of my workers there and see what happens. But eventually, you, you get to grips with it. And as I say, the, the, the you know everything's well laid out. Uh, there's 
the board, each of the phases has got a separate board and it says right everything you need to do in phase one is on this board so put your little characters somewhere on this board everything you need to do in phase two is over here phase three is over here and then phase four is your park that you've got in front of you so it's all laid out very nicely and it all makes sense and if you like worker placement games I mean I've not played many but I think it is a style of game I generally enjoy um, then you will enjoy this it just takes a lot of time to set up mm. But they've just really started um, a new one, haven't they? Dualosaur Island, which is just a two-player version, which uh, apparently is a lot simpler uh, to set up and, and play. So um, I'm tempted to investigate that as well. But um, I would recommend Dinosaur Island. I think it took us about two, two and a half hours to play, but obviously that includes the initial um, learning how the game is played. Um, but yeah, I, I liked it, and I think Karen liked it as well. So, And obviously the theme is a good theme. Lots of people like dinosaurs and uh, certain film franchises. So, uh, yeah, yeah, um, I'd recommend Dinosaur Island, but uh, I don't think it's for everyone. So definitely have a read of it and maybe watch some uh, videos online before you uh, before you decide to, to purchase it. So last up is Ruthless from Alley Cat Games, which is a game we've talked about a couple of times on this podcast. I think Pete mentioned this when uh, he came on to do his... Was it his Essen spiel uh, yeah. thing because he's seen it there and he really liked it and uh, we saw it at uh, UKG a couple of years ago and I, I pre-ordered it directly at the Alicat Games booth but this is the first time I've had a chance to play it and it's basically your standard deck building game where there's like a marketplace of pirates and you're buying pirates to recruit them to your ship but you're trying to make poker hands so uh, if you get two of a kind or three of a kind or a straight then you get rewards and uh, you use uh, you just go through the game building up your deck and uh, each of the cards has different actions like you can force another player to discard a card or you can use them for money to buy more better pirates and uh, yeah if you like deck building games I mean I think uh, you know me I like Dale of Merchants that's for me the pinnacle of the sort of deck building genre I just I just love it so much and this is very much in a similar vein it's it's got a good theme around it the whole pirates the pirates thing and the theme plays well with the mechanics of you like recruiting people uh, and stuff like that so i think this is a really good deck builder not quite up there with dale of merchants but definitely one that i'm going to keep in my collection and and i'll play again because i really enjoy it so that's ruthless from alley cat games okay so um we've also had a couple of occasions to play games in the same place at the same time. We have. Yes. So, um, I think it was the day before my birthday, we went over to New Asgard. We did. First time yeah. you've been there. Yes. And had a play of uh, uh, a few games. Well, before we talk about the games, what did you think of New Asgard? Uh, I think it's very... It's got a lot of space in it. Mm-hmm. I think they've portioned up the space and divided it quite well so you have the sort of shop bit you don't have to walk through the gaming space to get to the shop bit Mm -hmm. which might put some people off because you don't want to have to like try and fiddle through all the tables and try and squeeze through behind people's backs and all that stuff just to go and look at the go and look at what's on sale and um, there were quite a variety of people coming in 
who um, I don't know whether they were coming in primarily for the games or whether they were coming in for a cup of coffee or whatever because it was a bit of a chilly day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it seems to be done quite well. And it looks like it's doing, you know, the food was nice. Yes. Uh, there were plenty of games to play. There were plenty of tables. Um, and yeah, and as I say, there were quite a lot of different people mm. wandering, wandering through. Um, it was a bit off-putting because we sat by the window. It was a bit odd because the pavement outside is like, not the same height as the floor inside. Yeah, yeah, it's like at the bottom of the window, isn't it? Yeah, because it's on like a little slope outside. Um, so it's a bit weird. Like, right next to your eye level, there's people's feet. <laughs> and people were coming right up to the window to peer in. So it was a bit like, nah, go away. Stop, stop peering at me. Um, but That's that- my fault for choosing the window then, I guess. Yeah. I wanted to sort of like make it look like they're actually... There were people in there playing games, you know, to maybe draw some people in. Yeah, but yeah, it was uh, it was good. Cool. Um, and while we were there, we had a go at a review copy of Subterra Two. Yes. Which I think once we got going, it was quite fun. Yeah. However, because it was a review review copy, there were bits missing that. It referenced in the rules. The rules were missing, so we had to find the rules online. Um, and then the rules were referring to things that we didn't have, so it was like, well, it could be these plain cubes or it could be these plain beads. We're not sure what is supposed to represent what. Um, but we muddled through. We did. And I think the, the gameplay was quite fun. I um, actually preferred it to the first one, I think. Yeah, because I think it's a bit more... Adventury and less horror-y. Yeah. Because the first one's very much um, like survival horror kind of thing. It's very much like the films The Descent, um, where you're trapped in an underground cave and there are creepy things trying to kill you and mm-hmm. chase you. Whereas the Subterra 2, you are adventurers... Um, archaeologists, whatever, looking for a specific artifact that you have to find the like treasure room and then bring three keys to the treasure room to unlock the door uh, or unlock the pedestal or whatever it is to grab the, the artifact and then leg it before you either get killed by the sentinel guardians or if you play it on if you play if 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 the game goes on long enough or you play it on a hard enough setting then you are you are exploring under a volcano and the volcano starts to erupt so tiles start turning into lava um just to give you a little bit more drama to the proceedings um but yeah i quite enjoyed it in terms of the play once we finally got to figuring out all the bits and bobs yeah yeah i mean if it's if it's around at ukge i might see what it's like 
as a like the retail copy. Yeah, with all the components. Yeah. Um but we had fun punching bits of cardboard. We did. Yeah. So thank you very much for sending us a review copy. Yes. Thank you, ITB. And then next we played one of my Kickstarter arrivals for 2019, which was Suro Phoenix Rising. So this is the third um, in the Suro series of games. And in this one you are phoenixes and you've got to... It's collecting stars, isn't it? Yeah, well, it was the lanterns. You're collecting yeah. the lanterns. And to do so, there are tiles that have little lanterns on. And if there is a... Because you've also got little... Um, I don't know what to call them. Avatars of lanterns. Like little 3D printed lanterns. Yeah. Um, so there are more tiles with lanterns printed on than there are of these 3D tokens. But you've got to make a path that passes through and exits a tile with one of the 3D lanterns on to then get a point. Um, and then you get to move that lantern to another tile with a lantern on. Yeah. Just to try and mess with um, other players. Yeah, if they've planned a route, you can maybe make it so there's no lantern on that tile anymore. So. Yeah. Sort of um, um, with the phoenixes you get one I can't remember it's like a life counter basically a glass bead um, and if you die go off the board whatever oh yes um, you can come back once and you spend your life token to come back anywhere on the edge um, that you would like to and when you are when you are building your path, um, if you if there is an empty square in front of you, then you have uh, tiles and you can draw an extra tile and play one that you want. Um, if you end your go facing a tile that's already laid, then you don't draw an extra tile. But the next go, you can flip and rotate that tile to form a path that you want to go on. Yeah. So it's a good variation on the theme of the sort of follow the path entanglement sort of mm. game that Suro made very popular originally and I like the little phoenix um, mechanism oh, so like, where you, you're not just out if yeah, someone you're not just happens completely to make out a, 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 yeah. that takes you off the board yeah and I like that there's a bit more to manipulate so you can you can flip tiles, you can rotate tiles, you can move the lanterns and you've got to try and get through the tiles with the lanterns on. And it's not just about making the longest path or the most loops or whatever. It's a little bit more um, strategic, I suppose. Yeah. I'll tell you what I really liked about this uh, from a component point of view was the the big tray board thing that you put all the tiles in. Yeah. Because obviously normally when you'd play a game like this, you'd have all the tiles on, but then as people picked them up and rotated them, you'd be like shuff- you'd be like just disturbing the ones next to it as well, so it yeah. would all get a sort of a bit messy. But this, you've got this nice big tray that's got, was it, is it a six by six or something? I think um, it might be eight by eight. Eight by eight. And then there's 
lots of these spaces big enough and they're raised in the center so when you want to flip a tile over you just sort of push it in one of the corners and you can pick it up and flip it over so yeah that's quite handy it does make the box a lot bigger and heavier though uh, and then after that we played uh, one of Asgard's games which is Odin's Ravens yeah you you wanted to back this a while ago didn't you or buy it uh, yeah I think I was looking at it at UKGE a couple of years ago when there was a number of uh, Odin and Raven based games that all came out in one year and I haven't played it but obviously now, now I have mm-hmm. and I believe the last people who played it before was you <laughs> yeah because um, it was exactly how you left it. Yes. So nobody had played it um, in between. And the idea is you have this sort of tableau of little um, landscapes and you've got to match cards that are in your hand in order to get your raven up and down the other side before the other one. So it's a two-player game. Yeah. And you get little uh, Loki cards, which allow you to do extra bits and pieces. So, like, move one of the central cards so that one person has to have a take an extra step, or whereas you get to jump over a gap or stuff like that. It was fun. It was a lot simpler than I had imagined it to be, but it was still quite... Um, there was enough there that it wasn't completely dead easy. It was it was still got some strategy in it. And then a few weeks ago we started our campaign of Dawn of Peacemakers. We, we finally managed to find a group of four people to play it. We did. And oh, I was so excited. Yes. So those of you who may remember, this arrived a year ago today, actually. No, not today. A year ago today, we were filming the unboxing video for uh, it, right, so okay. you've had it for a while. Yeah. And it is a minis game. This is based in the um, Dale of Merchants world, but it's a like a strategy game. I guess where... so. I don't really know how you would describe it, because the mechanics yeah. are not like anything I've seen before. No. Basically, there are two races who are bordering on war in the area and you as adventurers have to try and de-escalate the situation in in a number of different ways that you are capable of doing and i can't really say much more without spoiling yeah it Um, we can talk about the mechanisms so uh, there's, there's decks of cards so you've got cards that you can use for influence so that allows you to look at the army decks basically what they are and uh, at the end of every round like the cards will get revealed saying this is what that army is going to do are they going to move are they going to attack are they going to like bunker down and defend themselves so you can use influence to look at the cards and rearrange them so that the the army does what you want them to do yeah uh, but you can also use the cards to move your character around. Uh, you can fortify or put re- like reinforcements. It's like armor on a, on a tile. Or uh, lots of the cards have got different actions, so you can actually do what the action of the card is as well. So each card has got multiple multiple uses. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just a legacy style game, really, isn't it? Where what happens in one scenario gives you a bonus or or not in the next one 
and changes some of the setup of the game because obviously if some characters die or whatever then they won't appear in later scenarios so yeah but uh, I mean I like it as expected um, I think the choices you have to make as a player sometimes it's best for you to do nothing so you can gain more cards and give yourself more options in a later a later go um, but sometimes it's well I need to move my character to have to be on the same space as this color army because I need to be able to do something a lot of the, a lot of the cards are like you can do this but you have to be on uh, a square Oh, sorry, you have to be on a tile of that army to be able to to do it. So, like the influence action, you can only do if you share a tile with that color. So, yeah. But uh, yeah, so I mean, I I like I like it. I think it's I think it's unique. I don't think I've seen anything like it before. Um, what do you think of it? Because we've played three scenarios now. Uh, I think it's good. I think the last one started to get very long yeah uh, they were introducing lots of new things so there are there are envelopes and boxes inside like in true legacy style you don't open until you get to a certain point yeah and we opened those um, and that was by far the longest game I think it took us over two hours didn't it yes yeah I think at the moment it's I don't know I don't want to like I feel like we're being lulled into a false sense of security oh right okay I feel like we're going to get used to it and then something's going to happen and it's going to be like, nope, you can't play the way you were playing anymore. It's, yeah. We're now going to make it twice as hard. I mean, there are a lot of cards we haven't unveiled yet. so Yeah. It's interesting as well because we've got a member of our group, Harry, who's not a big gamer. Yeah. And I wasn't sure how he would play the game because obviously it's uh, it's not something... I mean, the mechanisms, because they're not anything we've we've played before but because we're gamers we can get used to it but he's not a gamer so I was interested to see how he would cope with all the various things but actually he's I think he's cottoned on really quickly yeah but he's not he's not stupid so well I'm sure he'll appreciate you saying <laughs> oh I'll cut that out <laughs> um, so yeah doing a Peacemakers from Snowdale Design um, if you like Dale of Merchants and you like that universe but you want to play a different game in the same universe then I would strongly recommend it. And he's making another one as well. Yeah. Uh, called Lands of Galzia. So, which describes itself as an adventuring game with an open and persistent world. Everyone's actions have consequences in the current and later games. So it sounds like it's going to be a similar type, le- legacy type game, but with different mechanisms. Uh, this one says it's dice rolling, pick up and deliver, push your luck and storytelling each game continues where the previous ended with a clever save and load mechanism there is no need for bookkeeping with paper or pencil you play the games as many times as you wish and even swap players between sessions so yes that I'm looking forward to seeing that ok with that I think we should head on over to kickstarter corner and uh, it's time for our usual session the uh, what political satire games have we found on kickstarter this month Yay. Yeah, so I found three this month. It's a good month for political satire fans. Indeed. Well, <laughs> providing you like American political satire. Yeah, they're all American. I mean, now Brexit is sort of... It's Don't all... speak of it, Matthew. <laughs> okay, sorry. Um, right, let's let's talk about this first game then, which is MAGA Country 
build the wall, drain the swamp, and defend MAGA country and your presidency. They're, they're, they're all based around a similar theme, aren't they, these, these mm, games? It's interesting, yeah. isn't it? So this uh, has got 13 days left. 20 people have seen fit to give their money to this project. And it has got 4,000 Canadian dollars out of a goal of 175,000 Canadian dollars. I think that's been a bit ambitious, but... A mega country has suffered for generations under the ultra-left-wing rule. As president of MAGA Country, it's your job to put the country back on course and make MAGA Country great again. Using those uh, using those terms as all the other American political satire games do. Yep. Ironically, made by a Canadian company. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, but there is a very obvious Donald Trump-esque central character, isn't there? Yes. So uh, I don't think there's any... Um, there's no subtlety in this game. It's um, at least some of them try and hide it a little bit. In this one, they've just gone gone straight and do it. I mean, if you scroll down the game and look at the preview section, there's a character that looks like Chuck Schumer, who's the um, is like the Democratic leader of the House, isn't he? Mm. And uh, yeah, so um, if you want to back this, then uh, go for it, I suppose. So that's the first one. That's MAGA Country. Although you have to pay at least 55 Canadian dollars to get an actual physical copy of it. Oh, right. Is there a print and play um, tier as well? Well, the first three tiers have nothing to do. First three tiers are be featured on our website, suggest a card, and get a T-shirt. Lovely. I'm like, "Mm, no. No, no. Not, Not feeling it. No, we'll give that a miss then. What's next? What about, if that doesn't appeal to you, what about Trump Roast, the tremendously huge, tasteless party game? Use Donald's best words to solve ridiculous global policy questions. So this one uh, has uh, is American, and they had a goal of $15,000, a lot more modest. And they've currently had just shy of $5,000. 95 people like this one. Mm. Trump Roast is a mature party game inspired by Donald's best words, his beautiful hair and endless love of red meat. Players choose their best position to ridiculous policy questions by selecting from a variety of real Trump quotes and special cards. If you don't find this game funny, you don't have a sense of humour. Mm. Mm. So e- yeah. each player starts with six position cards. The policymaker draws and reads the policy card, such as, what does Donald have tattooed on his lower back? Three players play their best position card to solve the policy and win at the policy point. The policymaker shuffles and reads all position cards. So it's basically cards against humanity. Yeah. That's basically what it is. Yeah, as all these things are. Yeah. Um, yeah. The pledge levels are interesting. $38 for a copy of the game. Um, $49 for a copy of the game plus alternative rules plus a well done dinner napkin going all the way up to $250 where you can create your own custom cards and one person has backed at that level Uh, why (laughs) just why who knows 44 people backed at the 48 hour discount pledge level so 44 people backed it in the first 48 hours to wow. get a slightly cheaper copy. Oh, there you go. 
So, uh, does that one appeal to you? Mm, not particularly. Okay, then what about That's Politics, the original game of political satire? The original game of political satire that I've never heard of. Yeah, it's the original game of wit, strategy and political savvy. This game is based on American politics and lets you run for US president. They have a goal of $3,500 and have currently got 13 backers and a total of $801. Welcome to the campaign. Welcome spelt without an E. A different kind of politics. Are you depressed? Is your refrigerator creating new life? Does that new life not revere you as you think it should? Well, this game won't help with any of that, but you'll have fun ignoring those things while playing it. With a bunch of commas which aren't in there where they shouldn't be. Oh, oh. Do you want to print it out and show it to Chris? Maybe it'll trigger him. I'll just get some red Sharpie and scribble all over it. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, I don't even know. I can't even... I can't even gleam from the campaign what type of game this is. Oh, there's a video. There's a video. Watching. I'm not watching the video. Who, uh, play, who we uh, be? Yeah. Uh, the basics of the game are simple. Each candidate spends their time, turn trying to maximise the amount of electoral votes and donations they take in, while other players try to stall them out. Candidates can rally voters to their cause or spread nasty propaganda. Fun. So there you go. That's what we found in the world of political satire this month. So let's talk about something a bit, a bit more interesting. What we've been spending our money on on Kickstarter this month. So uh, you've backed one thing, I've backed three. Yeah. So let's. I'll talk about what I've done. So first up is uh, not a game, but it's a game accessory, and uh, this is actually proving very popular, and uh, hopefully it will live up to what it is. So this is the level up. So basically, what it is, it's like a a portable tabletop playboard, but one that stands on legs. So say you were playing on a table that was just about big enough for the game what you could do is you could put this on and play the game on the board uh, on the on the sort of like raised board and then you've got the space underneath for snacks and cards and things that you need to play your game so it just gives you extra space to play the game which uh, which I quite like I could see this I could see this being handy in um, the bar the bar at work where we're playing Dawn of Peacemakers yeah because obviously we could have the board on top and then we could all have our cards and things and our drinks and whatnot underneath. So yeah. it just gives us a bit of extra room. We may, we may get a few funny looks while we're using it, but I'm sure we get funny looks at the moment while we're, uh, when we're playing games in there anyway. So Probably. So this is uh, currently got, as I'm, as I'm looking at it, the numbers are going up. So it's got nearly 500,000 pounds and their goal was 7,500 pounds. So... They had a few interesting challenges because they didn't announce any stretch goals until uh, after they'd already funded. And then because they'd funded so much, they set their stretch goals to be like ridiculously high levels. And everyone was like, why are you setting your stretch goals to a million when your initial funding goal was like only £7,000? And it's like, well, we didn't realise how popular it was going to be. But they should have, I guess they should have had all that planned out before they started the uh, the campaign. Yeah. Some of the things people have been suggesting are like a felt uh, cover to go over mm. it, uh, magnetic um, things underneath so that if you were playing with minis that had magnetic bases, then they would just stay on the table. 
um, little clips to hold things uh, on the side or uh, drinks um, holders and things like that, you know. So lots of um, lots of little add-ons. And uh, yeah, I think this will come in quite useful. And it's obviously well funded, so just got to hope that uh, the guys can follow through with uh, with their plans. Um, next up is actually a uh, computer game. This is a game called Tangle Torn, uh, which is a roguelike deck building game set in a realm torn between a between opposing cosmic forces where fate itself has become more of a suggestion than a rule. So look, looking at the game, it looks very um, Slade Aspire-esque, that kind of thing. Yeah. Where you're uh, going through uh, killing enemies and, and gaining cards. Um, but I like the look of the, the artwork. And um, it, it's got that anthropomorphic animal thing that I like so much from Dale of Merchants and Dawn of Peacemakers. So mm-hmm. this just appealed to me. And um, yeah, not much more to say at the moment. I don't know what the projected release date is. It is supposedly October next year, but I'm guessing there'll be a beta or something out before then. So, um, but yeah, eighteen months until the game is actually released. So uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. And last of all is Sins, an infernal deck builder. Choose your own path in this small action-packed deck builder for up to six players or solo. Plays in 15 minutes per player. I think this is one of those games where if you want more than um, more than two players, you have to buy multiple decks. Mm. Um, I pledged... What's that? I don't know what currency this is. DKK. That's from Denmark. Da- so what Danish that Krona, yeah. Okay. So what's that in pounds? I pledged... Um, I've no idea. Let's have a look. £45 for three box sets, which includes three different ones. The Rise of Wrath, the Gloom of Greed, and the Ooze of Gluttony, and a big box to store them in. So I can play with up to six players. And uh, it's, it's a deck-building game, but it says you are competing for power while trying to overcome weaknesses by negating despair from your opponents. To win, you increase their weaknesses while reducing your own through clever combos and strategic deck building. And uh, I just thought it was an interesting interesting theme. Just something a bit different. And I'm, I'm getting to like deck builders, so I thought, yeah, this will this will do. And I unlocked, uh, they've unlocked a lot of stretch goals. And uh, yeah, it successfully funded. They So they wanted 5,000 krona and they got 275,000. So, so yeah, very well funded. So I look forward to... Uh, Seeing that, and already since the campaign ended, they've uh, been putting updates out, letting people know what's going on. So uh, yeah, it uh, all looks good. So that's what I've been spending my funds on in the realm of Kickstarter this month. What about you, Ray? Um, well, mine's sort of a two for one. It is, and it's one that I'm considering backing as well. Yes, and it's from our good friends, Ali Cat. Yay. Um, so this is the combined Kickstarter for Tinderblocks and Kitten. Um, Tinderblocks we saw at UKGE. Yes, they had a pre-release yes. version in the press event, didn't they? Yes, and it's a little, it's sort of like one of these mint tin sized games. Um, and in Tinderblocks, you're um, building a campfire in a campfire building competition. Um, 
and you have to make sure that it remains fairly stable um, and so that it doesn't collapse. And then in Kitten, you are racing each other to build stacks of cats as fast as possible. Can you outpace your friends and become a cat stacking champion? And I quite liked Tinder Blocks when we saw it. And it was, how much was it? It was £10 just to get Tinder Blocks. Well, it's £10 to get one of the tins. Um, and then it's £18 to get two of the tins. So I've gone for that so I can get uh, one Tinder Blocks and one kitten. Ah, oh, okay. Um, now, there are two versions of Tinder Blocks. There's Tinder Blocks Day basic and tender blocks night kickstarter what the difference is i'm not entirely sure what's in the tinder blocks tin kickstarter edition oh yeah so the kickstarter edition is going to have a slightly different colored um tin which will be a bit which will be a nighttime one um but otherwise i think it's fairly similar except there's a couple of extra exclusive cards that are v- being voted for by backers throughout the competition competition uh, campaign so yeah there you go well if you did want to back it then i could get a special unique referral link oh that then if you back it through my link then i get a reward of how some does, description how do they know that though because you email them and they mm. generate you a unique link. Okay. I um, was meaning to do this and then I just haven't. I forgot. <laughs> okay. Well, go for it because I probably will. Cool. And I'll probably get them both just like you. So. It's good. They're not. They're, they're like really small little games that you can just carry around, aren't you? Aren't they? So. Yeah, and I've got um, mint. The third mint. Well, the the second and third of the Mint series. Uh, that's which, Cooperative and... What's the, what's the other one? I can't remember. Um, the second one's the... Del- is the second one the delivery company? Mint Delivery, yeah. Yeah, and then the third one is Mint something else. Cooperative. Yeah. Um, so I've got them coming at some point this year. Hopefully. So I'll have a nice little, nice little stack of teeny-weeny games... Yeah. To take on holidays and stuff. Or just put them in your bag and bring them to work every day. Yeah. Just on the off chance. Just sit there playing with tweezers and tiny cubes of wood. <laughs> Ray, can you update the version of Firefox on all the PCs on campus? No. no I'm busy. I'm building a campfire. I'm stacking <laughs> cats. Can't you see I'm busy? Okay, so let's uh talk about what we've had arrived this month so uh, you've not had anything since the last episode have you i've had one thing oh have you What's that yes one? i have had animal adventures tales of cats and catacombs oh which is the cat based well the cat themed minis selection selection collection by uh russ who is a friend of gareth's from steamforge oh, games yes 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 and it arrived this week, I think, uh, only a couple of days ago. I think it arrived on Thursday, and I've had a nice, good look at all of them, and I've identified one that I reckon I could uh, 
use for my D&D. It's not a Furbolg, but there doesn't appear to be any Furbolg minis, so I'll just be a cat instead. Oh, fair enough. Um, yes, Russ Charles from Steamforge Games, and uh, there is currently another campaign in the seri- for the series, which is Animal Adventures Secrets of Gullet Cove, and that has... If I go to the 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 the, the thing, the thingy, what's it? The campaign page. More minis, unsurprisingly, but doggies. Yay! There's doggy heroes, uh, and a little doggy pirate called Roger. Lovely. Um, and some so, more cats. So, what do you actually have in your in your set then? What does it come with? Little minis, presumably. Yeah. Yes. You've said that. Um, it's minis of um, cats of various what's the word classes. Yeah. So you've got like a bard, a barbarian, a sorcerer. Oh, okay. Warlock, cleric, wizard, and a necromancer. Hey. Um, and. So yeah, so you get. Uh, one, Is it two, like a campaign two, booklet four, or anything? Six, eight, ten, twelve. You get twelve minis. Okay. Well, thirteen minis because you get the necromancer, mm. um, and you get rules and a little tales. The lair of the necromancer. Ah uh, right, okay. And is it five E compatible? Uh yes. Excellent. Okay. Our rule set contains OGL fifth edition racial rules for creating. Okay. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Um, and there's a little map, but as I haven't done an unboxing of it, I have not opened the box. Oh, very good. To play with my tiny cats. Okay, we'll have to do that soon then. Yes, um, but if anybody is interested in the newer one, it's got dogs, cats, were rats. Zombie cats and skelly cats, a necromastiff, a rat king, and the rataclism. I I approve of the punnage. Yeah, so there's the minis are all really good, and um, Russ did the sculpts for the what's the word Resident Evil minis game. Uh, I've no idea. He did, um, because Gareth kept going on about it and how great it was because Gareth likes both minis and Resident Evil are you planning on DMing it or are you just going to give it to someone else and say here you go oh, I, don't, I don't know I've still got Humble Humblewood that I have all the rule books and stuff and haven't played and now I've got this and our D&D campaign that sort of hasn't really done anything since last summer yeah um so who knows right so mine i've got a few things that have arrived uh, first thing is uh, i got my copy of the 2019 tabletop games kickstarter report that uh, steve hampson was doing uh, he delivered it not long after the campaign ended and uh, i haven't had a chance to really go through and dissect the information in there yet but um, you've had a look at it as well, haven't you? And there is a lot of stuff in there. Yeah. Lots of information, basically about every single tabletop game that funded in 2019, or tabletop 
adjacent, you know, dice or accessories or things like yeah. that. So, so yeah, um, I'm going to have to have a proper read through that and then uh, maybe we'll be able to spot trends and, and things. So it should be quite interesting. Takenoko Giant. Now, I didn't back Takenoko Giant. I backed for receiving an organiser for the inside of Takenoko, which arrived, and uh, I spent a good hour putting it together a few nights ago. And uh, it's very nice. Um, it's it's high-quality wood. Um, it says use glue, but I was able to just get the pieces to stay together without using glue, but I may, I may glue them together at some point. But uh, it's a much, much nicer way of organising the game inside the box. And one of the biggest problems I had with the out-of-the-box box organiser, if that makes sense, was um, the fact that uh, when I was transporting it around, I'd noticed that the different colours of bamboo would all get mixed up. Yeah. Because they would just f- f- um, fall in from one compartment to another. With this, that shouldn't happen because they're um, almost the full size of the box. And I don't. And with the uh, rules and things on top, I don't think there's enough room for for them to move. So, so yeah. And uh, it's also got room inside for the uh, expansion stuff as well, which I don't have. But it does mean that if I do buy the uh, the cheapy expansion, then uh, I should be able to fit all those in there as well. So it was very nice. There's a picture on Instagram, I think, uh, if people want to see what that looks like. So. And then in the in the realm of games, um, I won't talk about these in too much depth. Um, unboxing videos are coming up. Uh, a couple of them are already online. Uh, we have Brains from Jelly Bean Games, which is the third game in the Treasure Hunter series, following on from Scuttle and Ninjutsu, which is just a fun small card game where you're playing cards to try and get a total of 21 points in front of you, but also trying to stop your opponents from doing the same. Uh, Jumble Jam which is a game where you are playing uh, like grandchildren of a master baker trying to impress her by making the tastiest treats and uh, it comes with lots of the Kickstarter edition came with lots of nice little tokens of little cakes and cookies but there's also these really cute little cat tokens uh, mm-hmm. which you haven't seen but you've seen the video haven't you yeah I've seen I've seen them with my eyes I haven't seen them in person but they are super cute and they pretty are. cool. Movie Empire has arrived, which is a game where you are running a movie studio and you're trying to, I think, recruit stars and uh, make movies that uh, match certain genres to try and uh, get the most money and uh, the most people watching your films. Uh, so I'll know a bit more about that when I play it. And finally, uh, Hero Master, an epic game of epic fails, which if you want to know more about, just look for our previous episode where we had an interview on with the designer Jamie Noblefire the noble artist himself uh, and uh, he talks all about the game and basically it's you are playing adventurers who are like the bottom of the barrel you're the guys who get picked last because uh, you're not very good at adventuring so I'm guessing you there's lots of bumbling and you make lots of mistakes um, but it looks really nice and uh, he did all the art himself and uh, yeah he uh, does lots of art in that sort of style. He's done greetings cards and all sorts of stuff. So uh, if uh, you like that, then you'll like Hero Master, an epic game of epic fails. So that's what I've had arrive since the last episode. So let's move on to our ones to watch. So what's your first one to watch this month, Ray? Uh My first one to watch is Altered Carbon, the role-playing game. Um, now this is based on the 
Netflix series, which was in turn based on um, a novel or series of novels. And the game, yeah, they've said, yep, we've based it on both game and Netflix series. It's a neo-noir cyberpunk series, dystopian sort of thing. Um, and if you haven't seen the Netflix, even if you just see the trailer, but, um, or read any of the books, uh, in this dystopian future, the human mind is nothing more than digital code saved and stored on a cortical stack, um, which you basically like slot into the back of your head on your body. Um, and it's possible for you to re-sleeve your consciousness into a new body. So you can wear whatever body you can afford, transmit your mind across the cosmos in an instant. And if you've got the credits and political, political sway, you can re-sleeve time and again for centuries. So you can. Does that mean you could take someone else's body then? If, if you've got more money than them, you could say, no, you don't have that body anymore. I have it. Or are they like grown genetically engineered type thing or? I'm not sure because I okay. didn't watch that far into the series. I watched okay. like the first episode and I haven't read any of the book. Fair enough. Um, so this is an RPG where character death is a bit different because in, if you die, um, you're, you can, in theory, instead of making an entirely brand new character, you can put your character's consciousness along with the experience and so on into a new sleeve uh. if you pay for it um apparently when you but when you lose a sleeve by your body um there is life-altering setbacks and if your stack is destroyed then it's real death for the character um so i thought that was interesting way of taking something that comes from this like the altered carbon world and putting it into an RPG to make the RPG a little bit more I don't know interesting yeah like you might be a bit more reckless because you think you can if you die you don't necessarily die but there's always the possibility mm. um and then because it's like a cyberpunky type thing there's also like um augmentations so you can upgrade um your things like athleticism and it says but even a world-class surgeon in an unadjusted sleeve can botch a basic procedure so you can go and try and get one of these augmentations and it could go fine but it could also go completely wrong and you could be completely fucked um swearing sorry it's all right um it sounds interesting. I like the fact that I'm looking at the stretch goals, and for a start, one of them is a stretch goal six. There's a new source book called Birmingham, which is quite interesting. But also, um, if at a certain level, I think at two hundred twenty-five thousand uh, dollars, some of the minis will be based on the characters from the TV show. Yeah, so they've they've got this like hazard system to find, you know to do stuff I don't know they've got this hazard system um, which 
adds another unique gameplay element, which has only uh, only been designed for this particular RPG. Mm. Um, and while I'm obviously still fairly much of a noob to RPG world, it's still um, I think it's definitely one to watch. I think it's already it's already surpassed its funding by quite a considerable amount. Oh yeah. Um, they wanted twenty thousand. They're currently at one hundred and eighty-seven thousand nine hundred fifty-five, with twenty-three days to go. So, if you fancy an RPG of altered carbon, a bit cyberpunky, bit neo noir, um, with interesting death mechanics, I suppose, have a look at altered carbon. Um, the starting pledge is twenty-five dollars which will get you a pdf copy of the rupaga <laughs> cool. uh, yeah and it funds funds on wednesday the 4th of march so you've got a while left so my first one to watch is the rival networks this is from gil hover and former ferret games uh, a name you should recognize because i previously talked about some of their games Specifically, the networks. So this is a two-player streamlined version of the game. Um, says it plays in around 30 to 45 minutes. Uh, it's easy to learn and you don't need to know how to play the networks. So the, the, the basic sort of plot is the same in that you are TV network executives trying to build up your network and get the most viewers. It says the differences from the networks are... That one, it's only a two-player game. Uh, instead of choosing between a show, a start, and an ad, and so on, in this game you get a show, start, and an ad every turn. What makes things interesting is how you use them. There is no, no limit to the number of stars you can put on a single show. However, you may only attach stars to a single show each turn, and the stars you attach must have the icon of the show you're attaching to, so certain stars will only go in certain genres. There's no aging mechanism, so in the network's ad... The, Generally, the longer a show goes on, the less viewer you get. Although there are some that peak at a certain point and then go back down again. Uh, and also, uh, the time slots in this are more important. Uh, so it just looks like a nice, more streamlined version. I mean, I, I like the networks. We've played it a couple of times, but um, it's another one of those games where it's got a bit of setup time. Not as bad as Dinosaur Island, which I was talking about earlier, but it does take yeah. a few minutes to set up. And also, um, if you're playing it with a lot of people you've never played, bef- played before, it takes them a bit of time to get into it. But this, I think, most of the time when I'm playing a game, it's only with one other person. So I think this would help me, you know, scratch that itch of wanting to play the networks, but uh, but a more streamlined, quicker, quicker version. Twenty thousand dollar goal. He's currently got thirty three thousand dollar dollars. Uh, 901 backers and five days to go as of recording so this one finishes uh, around the around Valentine's Day so yeah if you like the look of the networks but thought it was a bit a bit too deep or um, what's the word heavy for you then um, the rival networks might might be up your street so yeah that's my first one to watch super duper my next one is not live yet. Oh. So I can't tell you much more other than it is Dragoon, 
the Might and Magma expansion. Uh, and it's a modular expansion for two to six players. Destruction has befallen the island and power is corrupting everyone with golden glory. And there's um, a little image which includes an erupting volcano. Now, Dragoon is um, one of these games that I didn't back because I was like, nah, nah, and I wasn't sure. And then it turned out to be a ridiculously good, very popular game by Lay Waste Games. And I have been trying to get a copy of it or play a copy of it since then. And it's ridiculously difficult to find um, seats at UKG to, you know, yeah, um, play it and so on. Um Standard edition is fifty pounds, or gold edition is eighty pounds. Ooh. Wow! Um, but they have some lovely little dragons, and yeah. The idea of dragoon, the first one, is be be the dragon, gold hoarding, human destroying, fire breathing, race to fifty gold, um, and you can either buy it with metal pieces or plastic pieces. And the metal dragon meeples look so nice. So nice. And I'm really annoyed at myself that I never backed it. Because they've since had um, the previous expansion, which was the Rogan Barbarian expansion. And then this one that has not gone live yet. Um, the Might and Magma expansion. That'll be the second one. Um, and if I remember correctly, when I got the email about it, I believe it's going to go live sometime in February. I think it's mid-February. So keep an eye out for it. Okay. Um, if you've can't remember i think if you've ever backed anything by lay waste games before you will have had an email inviting you to like the um project in advance of it going live hmm. um so that's what i've done so you'll get a notification when it launches yeah okay and i believe if you're in the first x number um then i think there's some extra goodies involved Okay. So yeah, that is my second one to watch. Cool. My second one is uh, one of those lovely games where both of our, shall we say, uh, things that we often go for in games uh, collide. And this is Neko Neko Cafe, the board game, where you're all playing cats who are trying to be bakers in a bakery. Aww. So it has cats and food. Cats and food. Mm. A new cafe has just opened up in town and you must compete with your fellow felines for the position of head baker. The only downside is that literally all of you are chefs. You can't remember the last time you decorated a cake or even put some pre-packaged cookies in the oven. Unfortunately, the economy around here is pretty terrible and this is the best paying job you can find that still allows you to work in a kitchen. So set your frying pan aside and get ready to frost some cupcakes because the competition to win over as many paying customers as you can and earn the title of head baker is on. 
So yeah, you're all playing as cat chefs who are turning their hands to being bakers. So this is from... Uh, who's this from? Bunyan Games. Uh, and this is their first game on Kickstarter. It's got five days to go, and so far it's around two-thirds of the way to funding. So they want $8,500, and they've currently got $5,662. 70 backers, five days to go. And, uh, you know, it's a game about food, so... Yeah, don't need to say any more than that, do I? No. So, Neko Neko Cafe, the board game, is my second one to watch. So, your next one, Ray, was... If we'd have done one more, I would have chosen this. So I'm glad you chose it. Well, as I speak, it only has 45 hours to go. Yeah. So I'm not how sure how good it is as a one to watch. However, it's worth commenting on the basis it's got over $2 million. Yeah. F- pledged to it from a $10,000 goal. And it is here to slay... Now, why has it got over $2 million? Because it is from the man who brought us both Tea Turtle and Unstable Unicorns. The ridiculous runaway success yeah. um, of the last couple of years. And Here to Slay is slightly different because it is a role-playing card game. So it's not the same mechanics as um unstable unicorns now it's two to six players role-playing competitive strategic fantasy card game you assemble a party of heroes to slay dangerous monsters while working to avoid the sabotage of your foes the game also includes items you can equip to your heroes 1v1 challenge cards and role modifiers to tip the odds in your favor the first party to slay three monsters or assemble a full party wins the game. Now, I think a full party is, I think, eight characters, maybe. Um, and if you... So the standard edition is $20. And that doesn't get you any of the um, stretch goals. But for $25, you get the Kickstarter exclusive edition, which has the... KS exclusive base game and all the KS exclusive stretch goals which so far includes warrior and druid class promo hero cards a dice tower an unstable unicorn party leader card, kickstarter exclusive hero cards, six thereof, kickstarter exclusive party leader cards, three more um, an exclusive item card Four exclusive modifier cards, an exclusive magic card, an exclusive cursed item card, exclusive challenge cards, six of. So there's quite a lot in there. Yeah. And that's that's only the like the um the, the basic Kickstarter exclusive. You've then got the Kickstarter exclusive plus the expansions. Then you've got the adventurer set, which is all of that. Six playmats, what, seven playmats, um, card sleeves, and all the stretch goals, and the expansions. And then on top of that, you've got a party leader set, which is all of the regular stuff. Seven playmats, card sleeves, six classes of hero meeples, 60 in total. 
six exclusive party leader acrylic standees and all the stretch goals. And then there's another two things on top. There's another two um, watchmajigs pledge levels on top of that, which is just going more and more and more and more and more, more and more stuff. But for $25, I think that level is um, pretty good value for money. Yeah. Um, more people have gone for the exclusive plus expansions, which is $39. And they're only doing $9 shipping to the UK, which considering the political climate and recent events mentioning nothing in particular. Um, I was expecting to start seeing more on the older shipping uh, costs. So get it while the shipping's still only $9. Um, And I'm very tempted with 45 hours to go to actually back it, but I don't know. It does look really fun. It's. I mean, it's. It's definitely going to be out retail, isn't it? Because all their previous yeah. games have come out. But obviously, you've got to decide: do you want the Kickstarter exclusive stuff? Twenty I mean, pounds. That's where, that's where there's all the extra stuff. So, for like for five more dollars, you get a huge bunch of stuff and a special, yeah. different art on the box. And including delivery, it's only twenty six pounds. So. Yeah. Hmm. So that's not particularly bad. Um, expected in September 2020. Cool. So yeah, that's that's my last one to watch. Okay, my last one is one that uh, I just happened to catch my eye before we before we started recording. So we're going to discover this one together. And this is fruit. Now, how would you say this? Fruticola. Um. Fruticola. Oh yeah, I was saying fruticola in my head. Okay. A small town in the US in the 50s. Who will be able to produce and sell the best jams by the Christmas sale? Gosh. Yes. Now, this is by um, geochicks.it. And if I remember correctly, I've backed a game from these people before, haven't I? Yes, I think I have as well. Yeah. Uh, Which game is it? That is the question. It's not one that they've created on Kickstarter because it's... So maybe they've done it with someone else. So let's just have a look at their... BGG. Ah, here we go. Uh, their BGG page and see which ones they've created. Uh, Sam Hain is one of theirs. Yes, that's why. Sam Wayne. That's Sam Wayne, yeah. So that's one, but I'm sure I've got, I've got one. one as well. It must just be that one, because I can't see any of the others that I recognise. But, you know, at least we know they've delivered the game before. Yeah. So that's good. This is a strategic game. And for two to four players, that lasts around 60 minutes. And it comes with lots of nice little meeples and things uh, representing lots of different jams and ingredients and things like that. In the 1950s, a small town in the US was famous for its fruit-bearing trees. Its local companies were competing against each other, producing jams that kept getting tastier, which in turn made the town get more and more famous. Every year after the Christmas party, the local entrepreneurs compared their profits. Will you be the best this year? So there's the uh, uh, the plot, and uh, yeah, you are playing one of these companies trying to make the tastiest jams. 
You can buy developments from the town store. You can harvest fruits in the orchard. You can buy pesticides and fertilizers in the chemical plant. You have your factory where fruits are turned into jams. You have a market where you sell your jams and crates of fruit, leftover fruit, I would imagine, and you can hire apprentices. So, uh, yeah, and there's also a Tabletopia version you can play as well. I don't know if that's uh, free or you have to pay for it. Uh, it does say this will allow you to play the game before purchasing it, so I would imagine it's uh, free if you've got uh, Tabletopia. So, so yeah, um, I just... I just saw this and I, I like I like the uh, the idea of uh, it's funny I've got a couple of games about making jam actually thinking about it but this one looks a bit more complicated mostly it was just more card games mm. um, but this one looks like a proper uh, Euro game so uh, so yeah looks like it's got a bit more depth to it uh, and it's the standard version of the game is twenty nine pound or the deluxe version it, there is an early bird uh, which still has a couple of days left. No, 21 hours left at the time of recording. So I could get the deluxe edition for only £33. Um, shipping is charged afterwards. Um, I think about an estimate of what they expect the shipping charges to be. Uh, yes, EU. Uh, around €13. Euros, so that's not too bad. So yeah, that is uh, Fruticola. Or Fruticola. Or however you want to pronounce it. So yeah, that's it for our ones to watch. So it's that time of the year again, right? Da, da, da. It's time for Kickstarter Awards. So yes, it's time when we look back at the Kickstarters we've had over the last 12 months and uh, talk about what were our favourites. So not only from a gaming point of view, but from a communication or just general campaign point of view. So this isn't just ones that we've backed this year. This is anything we've had arrive this year. So it could be something that we backed a year or two ago, but as long as the communication and everything has been good, then it uh, might end up on this list. So... We've got our top three each, so uh, so I'll let you start this year, right? What is your third place Kickstarter of 2019? Third place is Ice Cream Dice. Ooh. Um, yes, it's an accessory, but they're very yes. lovely accessories. They are. They're very well priced. There, there was excellent campaign management and communication throughout. Uh, and beyond the campaign. Yeah, I think Mark was quite honest uh, with everyone about the problems he experienced during the campaign, things not yeah. going as he expected, but he never left anyone in the dark. He always put updates out telling everyone what was going on. Yeah. Um, and they arrived pretty soon after I was told that they were on their way, and... Um, they're very high quality and lovely in person as well as on the screen, I suppose. Yeah. And there was some free stickers. Oh, yes, I forgot of about Some ice stickers. cream cones, but with D20s in the ice cream. Did you get the pin as well? Um, I don't think so. I think I just got oh, stickers. I got a little ice cream pin with mine. So I might have 
However, I have since it probably went in the bag with the dice. Yeah. That I have now put somewhere and or has been tidied up. Um, so I'm not sure where it is. Yeah, unfortunately, because of our lack of D&D, we haven't been able to use them yet. Yes, yeah, so I do need to um, give everybody a bit of a poke, just <laughs> so I can show off my new dice. So in third place for me is Museum from Holy Grail Games. Now, I backed this back at the end of 2017. Uh, it was due to arrive originally in August 2018, but it was actually slightly delayed. Um, so it arrived early, early last year. And I've had a chance to play this, and I must say it's it's really nice. I mean, they had they had a reasonable presence at UKGE last year, didn't they? They had a yeah. nice big stand with tons and tons of copies of the game for sale. And uh, I hope it did well because uh, this is a really a really fun game where you are basically a curator of a museum, and it's mostly set collection in that you're um, gathering sets of artifacts from different periods. Uh, Greek or Roman or whatever, and trying to create uh, exhibits in your museum of of certain types and and gaining points based on uh, numbers of a similar set that you have together. So I really, really enjoyed this. I played it once and uh, recently, uh, was it end of last year, I backed the Deluxe Edition on Kickstarter, which has got uh, an updated rule book and extra components. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it's really good. And the art is, is wonderful. Uh, by Vincent Dutray and uh, it looks really really nice and if you like uh, set collection uh, games then uh, I think I think people really like this and as I say it's been out it's made it to retail it's done very well and uh, I, I definitely recommend it so so yeah my third place and this year is Museum from Holy Grail my number two is something that I was talking about earlier in the episode and that's Suro Rise of the Phoenix not sure what else I can say that I didn't say earlier. I really like the Suro games and there's fun Phoenix minis in it and also fun dragon minis and boat minis for the previous two games, even though I don't own those. Um, and it's cool and fun. And it arrived pretty much when it was supposed to. And... Yeah, um, obviously I've already exhausted most of my um, description about it yeah, earlier in earlier. earlier. Yeah. Um, so yes, Zero Rise of the Phoenix is my number two. Okay, my number two is Villagers from Sinister Fish Games. So uh, again, this is a game I've had the opportunity to play and uh, really, really enjoyed it. So. This is where you are. It's sort of like um, a city building uh, and drafting game where you are buying uh, like villagers for a village that you are populating. And each one has different abilities and you can evolve villagers from one type into another. uh, So they get you more resources, which you're then using to buy more villagers. And uh, it's just a really, really nice game. So... Uh, I backed this in uh, June 2018, and it was due to arrive in February 2019. Uh, according to Kickstarter, I marked it as received in July, so it was only—it wasn't too late. It was only you know a few months behind schedule, but again, uh, the communication was great throughout. Sinister Fish, I've 
backed games from before. I think, um, what was it? Great Scott, uh, was one of their games. Uh, yeah, he's launched two. Great Scott, the game of Mad Invention and Villagers. And, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what they come up with next. And, uh, there's lots of good accessories for this. Um, you can get a nice play mat, uh, or there are expansions, uh, with, um, extra things. And in fact, on their website recently, they put uh, a replacement card pack available because there were a few uh, ambiguities or mistakes in some of the cards that came with the game. So you just go to the website and sign up for that and uh, they'll be shipping those out very soon. So um, yeah, they've done done really well and uh, yeah, can't wait to see what they come up with. So that is uh, Villagers from Sinister Fish Games as my second best game of the year in Kickstarter terms. Okay, my number one is... Um, again, not an actual game, gaming adjacent. Mm-hmm. And that's the Seb McKinnon. Um, originally it was a, the Seb McKinnon playmat, um, campaign. Um, but there was also the opportunity to back just to get art prints, which is what I did and what Chris did. So it's Chris's one and only Kickstarter. And it was run really well. The art was great. I mean, obviously, otherwise wouldn't have backed it. Yeah. I backed to get two pieces. Chris backed to get one piece. So now we have quite a lot of Seb McKinnon art, um, as we had some already. I think it took a little bit longer than I was expecting it to. However, it's they're really great quality and they're all numbered and they're all going to be exclusive. So there's only X number of each print and it's all been marked as this is number 19 of whatever um so that's my number one primarily because i didn't have that many games arrive in 2019 that i have actually had the opportunity to play so whereas coral islands did arrive i haven't had an opportunity to play it yet Mm. um which is why Sura gets in there but nothing else in terms of actual games but yes my number one was Seb McKinnon's art campaign okay my number one which should come as no surprise is the Dale of Merchants collection da, 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 da. <laughs> so I've, I've talked about Dale of Merchants to death over the years but suffice to say as soon as I saw that this was coming I, I was eagerly awaiting it a big box to store the existing Dale of Merchants games in, along with lots of new Animal Folk cards and new mechanisms to make the game more interesting. Hero cards, so that every player's got a unique ability. Um, cards that you can use to randomise the decks that you play the game with. Um, just, yeah, everything in one big box. And uh, I, I just love it. I think it's great. And uh, if you watch the Kickstarter unboxing video I did, you can probably tell how excited I was when I did it. So, in <laughs> fact, didn't I? I did this because I couldn't wait to open the box, could I? So I, I did this yeah. on my own before we could get together and do our regular unboxing videos. So that's how excited I was to play yeah. this game. So yeah, um, Snowdale Design, Dale of Merchants Collection, my number one Kickstarter of the year. So that's the good. Now it's time to do our usual look at things that were supposed to be here by now, but still haven't arrived. 
So I've got I've got seven tabs that I've just opened with things that have passed their estimated delivery date. So Well, I have a couple of things that aren't past their delivery date yet, but I know that they are going to end up being past their delivery date okay. owing to um the coronavirus and shutting down of basically all manufacturing and exploitation um, out of certain areas of China, Hong Kong and and so forth. So I have a couple of those which in all honesty I don't mind <laughs> if 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 your government mandates that everything shuts down I'm I'm cool with you being a few weeks late. Um and that particular Kickstarter wasn't even like sort of gamer related. It's just some it's some enamel pins. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure there was another one that sent me an update recently that said, "Oh, we might have a problem, but we're not sure yet." Ah, uh, some of some of some people's ice cream dice haven't left China yet. But yeah, so there's a couple of. And I can't see. I can't remember whether I backed for one of the add-ons because um, I thought I did an add-on for the fancy dice bag, which had all like the waffle cone. But apparently, the add-ons haven't all been sent out yet. But I also can't remember whether I did or didn't. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, there's that and some enamel pins that have been affected by. Um, the coronavirus outbreak. But let's get back to things that are really late. Let's go to the bottom of the list. Let's see if there's anything down here. Right. Documenting a fading past. I'm pretty sure I said last year, this is the one that I've given up on, on the basis that they clearly just if, yeah, not ripped people's money off. Do-do-do-do-do... Yeah. Um, the drawing and arts one again from 2015 she clearly was just having people's money um and then i think i think it is yes uh ghost theory ghost theory a serious take on paranormal research um which was last updated December 31st, 2018. Wow, okay. Um, which said, final breakpoint is here. Um, which said, a couple of months after the campaign ended, one of the external to Kickstarter investors pulled out. And at that point, they had 30 developers on board. And then they basically just went downhill from there. There's still a button on the um, page which says pre-order here, crowdfunding continues, to which they're apparently making a documentary. Not quite sure what's going on there. Oh, and pre-order is temporarily suspended. So I'm just going to say Ghost Theory probably not showing up. At any time ever. And then I'm pretty sure the only other one I've got is Femida, which I have mentioned at least twice before. And this had a relatively 
ish, recent ish update. I mean, compared to the other one, this had an update two days ago. Um, which is update 31. It isn't out yet, but let's test it before we release together. So there are test source files to download to test it. Um, and there will be a Steam release at some point. I can't even remember what half of it was about. I think you're a judge and it's a story-driven, decision-based game. Um, and it's taken them a bit longer, but these guys have actually kept in touch um, roughly once a month, once every two month updates to say this is where we are, this is what's going on. So in that respect, they're, they're a lot better than the Ghost Theory guys. This was originally... Um, due to be delivered in December 2017 so it's already two years right. late yeah it's... so in the in the in the interim period it's been greenlit on steam which I think helped them get a bit more um, momentum yeah but they were trying to build an entire game on two thousand pounds. Um, so I think possibly they didn't quite estimate how much money they needed and time. Um, but yes, other than those two, I'm pretty sure... Oh, has this not arrived? Oh no, this has... this. Oh, sorry, I just noticed something that I hadn't haven't ticked, but it looks like it has come out and I just haven't activated it on Steam because I've forgotten about it which uh does seem to happen a couple of times but yeah so Femida and Ghost Theory are my two super lates so mine uh, at least I think two or three of these I've mentioned on the last couple of years um so the first one unless I get an update I'm not going to mention it again it's Yukon Salon a, hair, a very hairy game the one where you are putting hairstyles on the lumberjacks beards or on the heads of bears last time this project was updated was in May 2018 where the creator said oh it's almost ready the game's still happening I'll have everything to the printer by the end of the month and we'll let you know soon after when the game's going to ship and of course after that people heard nothing lots of comments on the kickstarter saying can I have a refund when am I getting this game um, the guy still seems to be active in the community. It's a guy called David Fuden. Mm. Um, he's backed other Kickstarters in the meantime, but it seems like he's just given up on this one. So, I mean, I've got no problems with a project funding because of unforeseen circumstances um, or whatever, but this one, it really does look like he's just taken the money and decided, no, forget it, I'm not going to bother, which is just not the way to do these things, is it? No. Um, someone did point out on the comments, though, I realised a few weeks ago, that the campaign actually has the print-and-play version for download. So I've downloaded it. I'm tempted to either get it printed or maybe make a tabletop simulator version of it. Yeah. 
because um, you know the files are there, and he's obviously not interested in doing anything with it anymore. So, um, so yeah. Interestingly, though, the files are on Dropbox, and they're still there. So I've got no idea what's going on in that uh, instance. You know, why would you leave the files on Kickstarter still? Still, but um, yeah, they're they're still there. So yeah, I'll grab those. So that was supposed to be delivered in August 2017. So we're now coming up to two and a half years late. Mm. And nearly two years since the last update. Next up is A Dog's Life, uh, a game where you are playing a little dog and it had all these nice, lovely dog minis. And uh, we said this before, we actually saw a physical copy of this game at the Bring and Buy at UKGE one year, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, It's supposed to be delivered in December 2017. The Kickstarter campaign page has been suspended due to an intellectual property dispute. And if you look on their Facebook page for, uh, I think it's Beaton Games, they said, oh, yeah, yeah, we've sorted all this out. The campaign will be up soon. Uh, and then it just never came back up. And they started posting their journey. And what they would do is they would post one picture and then go, ah, this happened in December 2017. And then they'd post another picture and say, oh, look, in January 2018, we were getting there. And then they kept doing this. And then about six months ago, they just stopped and then mm. they haven't posted anything else. So it's like they were stringing people along for a little while and then and then stopped. So And there's been basically radio silence from them for, for a few months. So, again, it just looks like they've just decided that uh, they just can't, can't do it. So they'll just uh, take the money. Uh, next up is one that is delayed, but I'm not too worried about. It's Seize the Bean from Quality Beast. Supposed to be delivered in September 2018. Um... But they are still providing updates. The last one was less than a week ago. They are doing one generally uh, every week or two, uh, advising you what the, the updates are. They're still translating the rule books and finalising the artwork. But um, they're providing lots of good information and letting people know what's going on. So um, I think this got a lot of attention because they had they were very popular the year they went to UKGE, weren't they? Because we, we couldn't get anywhere near to play play a copy of the game so yeah 3,000 backers um, a few people saying in the comments things like oh I just want my money back I'm not interested in playing this game now because it's been too long which seems like a bit of a stupid comment to me but but there you go um, but yeah I'm looking forward to it and hopefully um, by this time next year I will no longer be mentioning it in my delayed Kickstarters so mm. Another one that's uh, not far from completion is Sweet Mess from Big Kid Games. This is a game where you are playing a, a master chef uh, making uh, desserts and things like that uh, with lots of nice uh, molded plastic containers and things for holding your, your components and your recipe uh, tokens and things like that. Um, that was originally supposed to arrive back in December 2018. Um, I don't think they're that far out away from completion now, but they've been delayed because of uh, coronavirus. So um, I think they've had the pre-production sample arrive. Yes, they have. So they've got the pre-production sample. They've signed off on it. So it's just waiting on um, uh, production. So hopefully that will be arriving within the next few weeks or or months so looking forward to that and then we're getting to ones that aren't really that far behind but because they are uh, 
past their due dates, so I'd better mention them anyway. So we've got Chai, the tea board game, which is uh, which has been produced. It is en route. It is currently on a ship. And uh, in fact, Karen has been tracking said ship because she pre-ordered it online. Uh, she didn't realise I backed it on Kickstarter, so she bought her own copy. And uh, she's been sending updates on where the ship is. I think it's in Rotterdam at the moment. So, uh, yeah, the games aren't far off being delivered, so hopefully I won't have to wait too long for that. Super duper. Uh, we have Bloom, uh, which was supposed to arrive last month, uh, which is about laying uh, flower tiles and building a garden, if I remember correctly. Uh, so let's see when their last update was. That Their last update was on February the 5th, so... Yeah, they're not, uh, they've not gone radio silence. Uh, they're keeping people updated on what's going on. So hopefully that won't be too long. And uh, last of all, isn't a game, but I thought I'd mention it anyway. Uh, I think I talked about this on the podcast when I backed it. The Little Big Adventure Symphonic Suite. Yeah. Which was, uh, a remake, uh, reimagining uh, reorchestration of the game of the music from the game Little Big Adventure, which was one of my favourite uh, adventure games in the 1990s. And uh, yeah, uh, there hasn't been an update on that for three months, but it was a, the last update I think was a video from the composer saying, you know, I've done it and uh, we're getting there, we'll soon be recording it live, so hopefully uh, there shouldn't be too much longer to wait for this one. Uh, I'm not worried yet. If they give it another few weeks without uh, responding, I may start to get worried. But for now, yeah, two months ago they said they would start recording early in 2020. So, yeah, shouldn't be shouldn't be too much longer. Hopefully, so everything else is due in the future. So, yeah, which brings us to the end of this episode. So, if you want to follow us on social media, uh, we're on all the usual platforms at Togcast T O G Cast. If you want to listen to us, we're on all your podcast platforms of choice. If you just search The Offline Gamer, or you can go direct to soundcloud.com forward slash offline gamer. You can find all of our YouTube videos, as well as links to everything we've just mentioned on our website, offlinegamer.co.uk. And if you want to get in touch by email, you can do so on offlinegamerpodcast at gmail.com, or we have a contact form on the site. So yeah, that's it for another episode. So we will see you in a few weeks for our next one. And uh, happy gaming, Ray. Hopefully we'll uh, have done a few more scenarios of Dawn of Peacemakers and uh, be progressing well through the campaign by then. So Hopefully so. We might be halfway through by then, actually, because we've only got three more to go until we're halfway. So I think we're missing this week. But if we do three more before the next episode, we'll be uh, here. We'll be in there. We will. So thanks everyone again for listening uh, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. I'll put a little fanfare in there. Not that one. Okay.